Welcome to episode 691 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, man. It is uh, hotter than hell in Charlotte this weekend for some reason, but the good news is it's sunny and I, I, I can finally do my deck work. Notice I'm saying deck, but I, I've been waiting to do that. But every weekend I've been home, it has been raining because Mother Nature hates me and rain has followed me around the globe. <laughs> I mean, understand this. So like two weeks ago, I went to Baltimore, had a business conference, raised, we're going to play in Baltimore, bought tickets like six weeks, get there, rained out. Last week in Boston, Wednesday night, you just been, uh, you know, the weather was nice all day. Go to the game uh, with a good friend who had recently moved up there, sitting there fifth inning, starts raining. I'm like, really? So I'm going to San Diego tomorrow. Guess what's in the forecast? In freaking San Diego, of all places, it's supposed to rain sometime tomorrow. Uh, that said, you know, I'm, my seats are under a roof and it's okay. And I'm taking a couple of people with me that uh, recently promoted as a, a celebratory outing. But it is rain is following me around. So I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm coming to Cleveland next weekend. Rays are playing in Cleveland Saturday. Guaranteed rain. Has to happen because I'm going to be there. Uh, I think that's it for now. So San Diego, you know it's going to rain. Cleveland, I'm coming for you next. Well, I'm I'm uh, a little surprised you haven't been in my neck of the woods because it has been absolutely pouring uh, here. Nice. So. Oh, hey, speaking of Cleveland, before I forget, uh, listener Brian, dude was really nice and offered me a pair of tickets for Friday night's game to Cleveland because I spent all this time bitching on Twitter that Cleveland has ridiculously stupid high prices for their baseball games. $21 to get in the door is utterly ridiculous. That's even before the fees. I mean, it's no wonder their attendance sucks. But Brian, thank you for the offer. I just can't get there on Friday night. But I didn't want to leave. I'm still working on the tickets for the Saturday wait, game. Wait, but Sunday. You're planning I, about $21 to get in the door? That's ridiculous. I mean, San Francisco's a different thing. It's Cleveland. This is a blue-collar town. How are they have $21? It's no wonder they've got empty seats all over the place. Uh, I was about to say, because, yeah, here, here you're not getting in. You're not getting in anywhere for $21. But at least you've got third, at least you've got, you know, third-party sources. But even if you go, I think Cleveland's got some deal with StubHub, or maybe it's a major league deal, but the prices are stupid. Uh, even on StubHub, they're higher. Uh, and like uh, the cheapest seat in the house. A pair of seats to get in the get in on StubHub is fifty six dollars after fees. Uh, SeatGeek was even higher because they don't have the ticket sort. The I guess they're grabbing all the StubHub seats and that's where they're going. But SeatGeek has no inventory, uh, and so like I paid thirty eight dollars on SeatGeek Wednesday night to sit two rows off the field at Fenway. I just paid. $50 a seat to get into the premier club at San Diego. Like I said, I'm celebrating some promotions with some of my folks. So about premier club seats, $50 a seat. And I got $10 off by using a promo code. When, so when are you in Cleveland? Saturday. Saturday. Let's see. All right. Saturday. I know it's Francisco Lindor bobblehead. I don't care. Mm. I don't want one. I'm not dealing with the Walmart black Friday mess. I don't. I just don't care. But I also have a big problem paying twenty five dollars plus at, with fees just to walk in the door. People say, "Oh, they're standing room only." Fine, I'll walk up and maybe buy one of those and go stand in the district with my son. But you know, this is—it's annoying. I, it's not just me bitching. It's just like, how are you supposed to be able to take? Like, if you wanted, let's say, a couple of years from now, you were living in Cleveland and you wanted to take your daughters and your wife to a game. That's like a hundred bucks just to get inside. Yeah, well, I mean, and I'm sure it's a problem. problem. Sure, it's yeah. like you choose Oakland. You want to go to games in Oakland over San Francisco because you can just you know buy whatever you want to get in Oakland. Not a chance. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah I've, I've, I've won and done. I'm never going back to that place again. <laughs> Unless the Rays are in the World Series play in Oakland, you're never going to see me go back to that place. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's not a chance you could. So that's my rant uh, of the morning. But uh, yeah, uh, rain uh, and Cleveland, your prices suck. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we talked fab or I talked fab with Paul. Uh, a few uh, episodes ago, uh, so if you are looking for fab-related information, I mean, we'll talk about guys uh, that may be available in, in some maybe shallower formats today. But Fabapalooza, dude. I mean, yeah. this weekend's going to be insane. I know you guys talked about it, but there are so many options. I think the one thing that may help is it may drive down some of the prices because people are going to try to uh, – there's so many guys available, and I know other people in the league have already spent their money, so there's only so much to uh, so much to spend, and that may help. So, like, I'm going to look at AL Tout Wars to see where Bab spending is right now. So, Patrick David has $601. Podhorser has $967. Chrysalis has $72. This, this time of the year is $72. Nando, I, I got two guys in my uh, main event league that have – uh, less than a hundred bucks, wow. and there's no zero dollar bids. Yeah, that's crazy. Nando's got one thirty seven. Leibowitz two thirty six. Uh, Rick and Glenn eight sixty three. I'm at four seventy four because I spent that big chunk on Chavis uh, and don't regret any cent of it. Uh, Doug Dennis five fifty five. Bender at two thirteen. Gianella four thirty three, and then Erickson and Schechter seven twenty seven seven forty four is where they sit. So my four seventy four is in the middle of the pack. Here it is in May, and I, I think this is one thing uh, I, I changed up this year myself is I got aggressive early in Fab. I used to sit on it, and like I would be the Podhorser guy, and this was Podhorser last year. He was number one on the free agent pile. I think one of the years he won it, he still had – like he was running away with it, and he still had the most Fab. It was like mm-hmm. that's how good of a draft uh, he had, but I'm in the middle of the pack here. So you know, in AL, we're looking at uh, – Oscar Mercado was taken last week. Uh, at one dollar, so great play for Patrick Davitt. But you know we're looking at Nicky Lopez, Willie Calhoun, uh, Jared Walsh sitting out there. Uh, is Cal- Calhoun is still available. Nobody yes. had him rostered. Nobody wow. had him. Nobody had. I think somebody may have cut him uh, during the week. Uh, yeah. You know, during the period may have happened. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that uh, Willie Calhoun was released uh, one week into the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. That hurts. That, yeah, that, that's a bummer for whoever. He was drafted that. in the reserve that he was released uh, after the first fab period. Yeah, that's how Chris List ran out of money, too, because he dumped uh, uh, Clint Frazier and then Clint Frazier and then spent uh, him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I think there are. I don't even know where you find how much fab everybody in your league has remaining on this on Roto site. On Roto, it's under uh, front office. Oh, okay. Fab summary. Ah, there we go. All right. Uh, yeah, so I have uh, 966, so I currently oh, – and Derek Hardy has 967, so I'm <laughs> battling out for the hammer. <laughs> um, uh, and then, yeah, you've got a bunch of guys with eight-something, and then we got 200s and 300s kind of floating around there and, and a couple 400s. The problem is all the big guys in the NL are owned. Right. So, like, Hero was still – it was owned. Uh, Tristan Cockroft had Riley – or has Riley. Uh, so, there's not a whole lot that any of us can do. I think the big name in the NL uh, Tout Wars uh, uh, fab this week is going to be Carlos Gomez. Wow. So, <laughs> yay. 
Yay! Good uh, thing you have that nine hundred and sixty-six dollars for Carlos Gomez. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not even putting a bid on anything this week, so I'm just gonna just save save my. I might put a zero dollar bill on Carlos Gomez, but uh, I'm just gonna save my fab. That's a fair and, price. Well, I figure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I figure there's more likelihood that uh, in the NL there'll be guys traded over than the AL. There'll be more teams competing for playoff spots in the uh, in the National League than there will be in the American League. I think teams will uh, be kind of running away with it by the time I get the trade deadline time. So I'm, I'm hope that's why I've held on to my fab. I mean, fair enough. You look at the Central, and once again, it's tight. Four teams within three and a half games. You know, you've got some uh, Padres are sitting right there at 500. Uh, you know, Arizona's four and a half. Dodgers are, are trying to run away with it, but I don't know if four and a half is – running away with it uh, you know, a week past Mother's Day. But, you know, the American League is is playing out about as we expected. Houston may have the division wrapped up next weekend. Uh, they're sick. Dude, ten, two 10-game winning streaks in the same season. Yeah. It's, That's I mean, unbelievable. It, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's unreal. And, you know, the three teams at the top of the uh, AL East are likely to run away with, you know. Toronto's the, done. I mean, Toronto's done. I mean, yeah. They have what I mean. Someone I'm saying done is like they have no health. Their pitch. They they started Brian Fryerbrand, who came back as a knuckleballer well, yesterday. R- Richard's supposed to be back soon. Yes, but they. That's about <laughs> it. I mean, they have got so many other injuries. Aaron Sanchez, shocker, blister. Yeah, yeah they. I, miss, I saw he's not even miss any starts though. though <laughs> yeah, you sure might. Isn't. You might wish if you, if you're rostering him right now. You may wish he's going to miss his next start in Boston. Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I saw one of their beat writers just complaining about the openers. Like this is embarrassing. And not because of the strategy, just because they have nobody. And I was like, dude, in all fairness, that's how the opener started. And by the way, happy first birthday to the opener. It was one year ago today that Sergio Romo opened against the Angels. Uh, but that's why that's how it happened, because they had three starters go out in the Major League roster. And then AAA had three guys go out. And they looked at it and was like, Jesus, what do we do? Well, let's try this idea that we've had sitting in the corner. Uh, and that's, you know, maybe it works for Toronto. I don't know. But happy birthday to the opener. Uh I'm glad you're around. You've been fun. It's been fun to see it go around the league now uh, because at first people thought it was a joke, but who's laughing now? Well, and so, I mean, here's, here's, here was my thought process, at least with the fab in terms of hoarding it, was uh, in the American League, they're just, you know, Tampa Bay is going to have a playoff spot. The Yankees are going to have a playoff spot. More than likely, Boston's going to have a playoff spot. It looks like Minnesota could run away with his central. Yep. Uh, and then, like you said, Houston's gonna is already run away with uh, with the West. So it's the I haves mean, and have-nots in the I mean, AL. You, you could, it really yeah, is. <laughs> you could see some of these AL teams start making trades to kind of boost their chance of winning in the playoffs. But we've already seen Cleveland not be willing to make moves in spite of the oh. fact they need to make moves. Uh, who, you know, who knows what Minnesota will be willing to do. I don't know that Boston has any prospects to trade in order to go get guys. Uh, Jordan Luplo can't hit cleanup all season for Cleveland. I I don't know. Bradley that's Silver's been a great dude. Back. I picked him up. I picked him up on the cheap six dollars, and he had three home runs this week. The dude wow. is just killing. He's been killing lefties. All of his home runs are against lefties, and three of them are against Manny Benuelos. That's the funny part. Uh, but then he he took John Means deep uh, yesterday. So I have three home runs from a six dollar fab pickup. Uh, that works out well. And he's a good OBP dude, too. Uh, so we'll see how long he can stay in the lineup. But as long as he's facing lefties, here's your DFS play. If there's a lefty, 
go with Luplo. He's just crushing them right now. But as far as the NL goes, I mean, you really have uh, a bunch of teams that can get involved in this. And, you know, I, I know Colorado's been, considering how bad Colorado's been this year, to only be uh, 20 and 24 is right. actually kind of a win. And, and, I mean, even Cincinnati, with how bad they started off the year to be 21 and 25 is uh, kind of a win. But Pittsburgh's going to be in this. Atlanta's going to be in this. Arizona's going to be in this. St. Louis is going to be in this. Uh, you know, you, the Mets, if they could figure out how to get their heads out of their asses, they could get involved. So, uh, my, I just world, my World Series prediction's not looking so well. It is not. The thing here's the thing about the Reds. It's what's crazy is you know they're they're four games below 500. They've got this run differential that's so that looks so enticing, mm-hmm. but then you look like they've got a couple of big blowout games. Like they beat Miami 14 nothing. They beat St. Louis 12 to one. Uh, they beat the, your Giants nine to two. They beat your Giants again twelve to four. And then they beat your Giants again seven nothing. I'm catching a theme here. But then they have these big losses where they lost. You know they lose five uh, nothing. They lose six nothing. It's like when they lose, they get shut out. Mm-hmm. But when they win, they win big. And they have like these six or seven. I'm looking at their baseball reference uh, game results. You see these large green bars, and you just see these other red bars where they're getting shut out a lot early on and that's that's really where this comes from but i agree i i can't i can't kick dirt on the reds yet because the pitching Derek johnson mvp he's a pitching coach he's the mvp but if we if, if they can get something going they're six and a half back in the division but wild card wise it would put them um maybe five back four and a half back yeah i can't kick dirt. they're currently four back uh okay. from the second wild card so I mean, they're they're very much still alive, and I think a lot of teams will be, and a lot of teams are going to be willing to make moves. And Cincinnati's one of those teams that has already shown. They got a bunch to do on final year contracts. Why not? Yeah, they they, <laughs> they they may try to make a go at this. So yeah, uh, hopefully my strategy of holding on to some fab will uh, work out. We I agree. See. I see talent. If you're if you're in one of those AL only tough uh, tough love leagues. Uh, you've got dudes, and we can't even say dudes in final year contracts because the last couple of years we've seen guys traded. Like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Why is that guy going away? Yeah. So if, if you're in an AL league, be keep keep a watchful eye on that uh, because you could lose some guys here uh, in the yeah, middle of the year. Yeah, and let's not forget the guys. trade deadline. There's only one this year, right? They don't have the August crap anymore. Doesn't that it. start next year? I thought it was this year. I could be wrong. Well, you talk. I'll look it up. All right. Let's uh let's move on. We'll we'll talk about uh Miguel Sano, who has returned to the Twins, the aforementioned Twins. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sano for the rest of the season? Nelson Cruz goes on the DL, so that gives him a chance to maybe DH some. Uh, with uh, Willens Astudio, uh, it kind of crunches a little bit of playing time for him. Is he going to be able to find full time playing time this year? Uh, now that he's back from that lacerated heel. Uh, first off, you were wrong. Uh, okay. But <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> sound uh, like my wife. <laughs> she had a she had a uh, drop sound drop of her yeah. saying that wrong. Uh, that's the problem I have is, is the playing time. It's great that he's back, but we know def- he has his limitations defensively. I don't see him being in the lineup every day once the whole once the whole team is healthy. Uh, I'm happy he's back because I have him in. I think my. Arizona Riders League. I know I have them in at least one league, uh, in a league that I thought you drafted my team because so many guys are hurt. So it's really, it's really nice that he's a, uh, he's going to be back and I'll be able to get him back in my lineup. 
Yeah, I, I worry about once guys, they, they get everybody back healthy, uh, once Cruz is back healthy, that uh, he misses out on playing time. Uh, is that going to be like a minimum 10-day? Because it was it's a wrist issue for Cruz, yeah? Yeah, and I mean, they said that the the MRI came back negative or came back clean. So it seems like maybe this is just kind of a precautionary thing. They've got a little bit of lead uh, in the division. The rest of the team is hitting uh, really well, as we'll talk about uh, here in a little while. Uh, so maybe they just said, you know, you're, you're, you know, older than dirt. Let's make sure you're, you know, kind of rest up a little bit and uh, we'll see you back in 10 days. So my guess is it's kind of a minimum stay thing. Do they have uh, one thing I was curious about uh, taking a look at their schedule here? Uh, yeah, they've got some. Oh no, they're hosting Milwaukee. I was wondering if they had some NL scheduled time coming up, but no, they've got. Uh, they're uh, in wrapping up Seattle today, then heading to LA, then home against the White Sox and Brewers. Then they're coming to Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Detroit is what the rest of their schedule looks like. So that's some. I mean, that's some tough pitching matchups. Once you get to Tampa Bay and Cleveland. Uh, and and the White Sox, if Giolito's pitching, uh, you know that's that's kind of where things sit. But they they don't have any National League, uh, interleague wise. They look done until the end of July, until they have three games at Miami, which is God. Everybody's going to want to hit in that one. And then Milwaukee, they've got something in August. I don't know. I mean, Miami doesn't have the worst pitching in the world. Just a bullpen. Yeah, I mean, that's bullpen. outside of Guerrero. Yeah. And by uh, that time, what's that pitching staff going to look like? Yeah, that's true. I mean, Caleb Smith's one of those guys that, while they have years of control, why wouldn't they trade him for a huge haul at the deadline? Right. I mean, that's what I would do if I were them. But who knows what Jeter and the rest of the uh, the Marlins uh, faithful do there? Uh, let's uh, let's move on. And talk about Zach. They don't Cranky. have ticket price problems there. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Cranky is. Uh, uh, he had an MRI. Uh, it's come back clean. He's expected to make his next start. What are your thoughts on Zach Greinke so far this year? Uh, one of my league mates texted me this morning talking about uh, talking about Greinke, and he I, I want to pull up his exact quotes. I know he listens to this podcast. Um, he said, "Also, I contend Greinke is the most underappreciated pitcher in this game. He's got thirty dollar value right now in AL in a single league format." And that includes the one-game stinker. And I think one of the things that stands out about Greinke this year is, you know, you know how much I like to look at third time through the order penalty. Greinke is the best pitcher in baseball this year in that. He has a – a here's his slash line, third time through the order, against 62 batters faced. He has an ERA of .95, a batting average against of .098, an OBP of 113, and a slug of .213. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's really – if you want to look at where he's getting stuff done – that's it. I mean, sustainability. Hell no, of course not. But that, <laughs> that you know, that's that's just insane. When you're trying to look like, wow, how is he doing that? Uh, that's an area. That's an area where things are really improving. And you know, he's half the time. I swear, he's like fifty percent of the uh, gifs that um, gifs uh, gifs that uh, pitching ninja puts out because they're all out there. But like, if you look at if you look at third time order through the penalty, the last couple of years here, are the last three seasons for Granky heading into this year. This is his weighted on base average in third time through the order. 343, 306, 358, this year 138. So when I talk about sustainable, nah, can't happen. But in last year, what has killed him in the past, eight home runs, 10 home runs, 10 home runs, this year, two. 
So yeah, there, there's a there's some of the difference right now. So if you're looking for some of the improvement, uh, that's where it is. And I, if, if there's a leaderboard, uh, um, if you go to the Fangraphs uh, pitching leaders and splits, you can see this. Like the the worst guy is Ivan Nova. I mean, I, the, the White Sox are clearly just rolling him out there to to soak up innings, but he's 11.45 ERA with a 5.15 weighted on base average, third time through. They're letting him do that. I pointed out Ronaldo Lopez. I tweeted him out. That was this was one of the things I I warned about coming into the season. He was like cranky, insanely lucky third time through this year. 8.03 ERA when he's left in the starts that long. 3.08 batting average against 5.96 slug in those outings. That's where he's getting hurt. So it's one of those things. Uh, Aaron Nola is another one of those guys. Jacob Junis, two-pitch two pitch guy. Michael Pineda is right there. Michael Pineda needs to be gone after the 19th, after the 18th hitter. Just take him out of the game. Uh, and Jacob Junis, same thing. I mean, 949 ERA, 353, 462, 588 triple slash when he's left in. But he, they're leaving him out there. And you know, this was my Oda Rizzi rant. And earlier this week when he faced the Angels, he got into that mess. I mean, he had a, uh, five base runners in five innings. He comes out uh, for the sixth, try to do the sixth inning, six base runners, and then he gets yanked out of the game. So he went from a good start, not a quality start, to a good start to not even getting to a quality start and had one of those 2017-18 Odorizzi stinkers where, you know, first two times through, great, and then third time through, the Angels were like, dude, we got you. Four singles, a walk, and a homer. Yeah, it, one of the things that Granke's done a great job with uh, I mean, the last two years, but really this year, uh, he's taken another little step forward, uh, is he's, in spite of the fact he's got reduced velocity over the last year and a half, uh, it's, he, he's issuing less hard contact. Yeah. Uh, and this year he's gotten a little bit of added movement on the, the fastball. And that's, I think really helped kind of keep hitters off balance. Cause last year the fastball was really bad this year. It's actually grading out as a uh as a plus pitch so uh you know i don't know how sustainable the third time through the order thing is considering yeah. how great he's been um but i don't see there i don't think there's any reason to think that he can't duplicate his numbers from last year considering he had the reduced velocity there It'll, virtually everything is in line with where it was uh right in the places it's not are are minor improvements uh, to, to the I mean, he's the king there. of command, though. I mean, the thing about him, he's the king of command. He can put his stuff where he wants it. He tunnels it very well, so it's it's tough to figure out that. And I think that's one of the things that's helping him be successful this year uh, is you know he he throws a handful of pitches. It's not just two or three, and it's not that just two of them are so much better than the other ones. He throws a handful of pitches and can just and decide to mix the order up instead of yeah I'm gonna throw a first pitch breaking ball because nobody looks for first pitch breaking balls. Now I'm gonna go ahead and do that, but yeah. You know, he is when he, when he has the fastball changeup combination that he has, and both of those are uh, by my p val are very high this year nine five and seven nine, and everything else is right about average. I mean, he doesn't have a bad offering, so and and he can throw four to five of them, and that's one of the things that's helping him. Uh, and he's historically been one of the better guys, but for him to be this good in that split, uh, just be prepared for a little regression and that's where it's going to come. Watch, watch him, watch his starts the third time through and see what's happening because that can't continue. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously going to be some regression. I mean, he's got a, a pretty low Babbitt. Like you said, the, wow. he just can't maintain that third time through the order uh, at like a, a, what a sub one whip. Yeah. Uh, sorry, if I can make a crack on it, you know, 
Eduardo Rodriguez is the second worst pitcher, third time through the order, and I think he solved his problem last night by not getting out of the first inning. So go. he didn't have to. He didn't have to get that far. Man, that guy in that third time through Wednesday, the game I mentioned I was at, he was in that game, and that's exactly what happened in that game. He was cruising, had nine strikeouts, and just absolutely cruising. And Cora's like, "Yeah, I'll go ahead and leave him in there." He's he's cruising, and he just completely fell apart. Just hit, hit, walk, hit. It just and then what looked like it was supposed to be a quality start. Five and a five and a third, five earned runs. It was just like he went from having a great start to they still won the game, but you know, that's how you avoid third time through the orders. Just don't get to that third time through the order and get knocked out in the first. It's a good strategy. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and talk about Carlos Martinez, who's coming or came off the IL, had his first appearance. Uh he is going to be in the bullpen. He pitched the ninth inning uh, last night. Uh, it was not a save opportunity, so uh, people hoping to get saves out of Carlos Martinez. That seems somewhat unlikely considering uh, how how well Jordan Hicks has pitched. So uh, there has been talk, though, that if he can build up Sanima, they may move him back into the rotation after the All-Star break. If you are Carlos Martinez owner, and I am a Carlos Martinez owner in a number of leagues, including Tau Ors, what are you doing with him? You figure they're going to try to ease him in. If, if they're not, if they want to build up the stamina, that means he's going to be pitching middle relief right now. Um, so that also takes him, likely takes him out of uh, of high leverage vulture wins. Uh, situation. So, like using my examples earlier, instead of letting Odorizzi and Rodriguez come out for that six, that's where you let that's where you let Martinez come in and pitch the sixth and seventh at multiple ending spots. I mean, the good news is velocity wise, he was batting it. When I'm looking at, yes, that was his first. This was his first registered outing the other night. Yep. So 96, 96.6, which is where he was in 2017, which is a full mile an hour ahead of where he was last year. Um, on his average fastball velocity, so that's good sign. Um, but let's see where. Let's keep a track on that if they decide to move him back to the rotation. So where am I at with them? I don't know how you can carry him in a mixed league in your active roster. If you've got a bench, fine. In an NL league, a different different story. He should still be able to get some strikeouts in that kind of multiple um, inning role. I mean, shoot, maybe the Cardinals use some opener and let him open. Uh, but. Go from there. I, I just don't know how you can keep him in, in a mixed league without a defined role. I think the only way you can do it is in like a 15 team mixed league, hoping that he is like a Josh Hader type influence, a guy who can go multiple innings. Dude, how about that walk off last night? Oof. Oh, yeah. So, but uh, I, it's really difficult. I dropped him, I think, in the majority of my mixed leagues. I still have him in, I think, both of my NL only leagues, uh, Tout Wars and, an, and another one. Uh, if I have the roster space, which I doubt most people at this point in the season, considering what kind of season we've had, uh, have, I wouldn't mind grabbing him because he could be a top 20 pitcher in the second half, a starting pitcher in the second half, if he does get in the rotation spot. There are problems, though, because he has had this shoulder injury, and he's a guy who's dealt with injuries all throughout his career. And then he's also had maturity issues, where one of the reasons they moved him to the bullpen last year was because he kept showing up late for his scheduled starts. <laughs> God. So, uh, like, there's no guarantee he gets back on the rotation. It is a compu- uh, like a pure lottery ticket, but, uh, I mean, I guess in a deeper format, 
in a 15 team format if you have the the room to add a guy like him because uh, you're not decimated by injuries like I am uh, I wouldn't mind doing it but I think most people are are hurt by the amount of injuries there have been this year yeah all right, Jimmy Nelson's close to returning, talking about another guy on my ILs uh, that I uh, need back desperately. He's been looked really good in uh, his rehab uh, starts uh, and in extended uh, spring training before that. He's going to do one more rehab start before potentially being activated next week. Where are you out on Jimmy Nelson rest of the way? I was not – I mean, I, if you go back and listen to the Labor uh, draft episode, Paul wanted him and I didn't. I don't think we ended up taking him. So, like, that time of the year, I wasn't interested. I wanted to – I think my exact comments was, let's see where he's at first before wasting a spot. And, you know, we probably should have taken him given – I think we ended up taking Jake Faria with that wasted spot. Uh, but – you know, the highlights that I've seen of him, I saw, I've seen some video. The curveball looks really good. And obviously, that's what we need. Uh, I don't know. The fastball is, is still going to be a secondary pitch for him, but the breaking ball looked really good in the last highlights that I saw him pitching in the minor leagues. So I am willing to take a uh, more aggressive in, in a, in a uh, single league format. But I'll take, I'll, if I had some fab uh, to play in a mixed league format, I would be medium uh, not aggressive because I, i'm not expecting him to pick up where he left off but uh if you're looking for some strikeouts and milwaukee needs the pitching help let's be real uh let's run with it yeah I, i'm a big jimmy nelson fan uh, so obviously uh i've got a number of shares of him I, I need him to be good and that being said he like you said he has looked really good in spring training um or sorry in, in his rehab assignments uh, velocity appears to be intact. He is striking out, uh, striking guys out. His last outing was uh, five and two thirds. Uh, only issued one walk, uh, no earned runs, and struck out eight in the in the in that outing. So, I think we're, you know, you can't necessarily believe that he's going to hit the ground running from the moment he gets back. But uh, this has been a long time coming. He missed the entire season last year, and and part of this year. Coming back from this injury, it appears he's ready to to be back, and so I would be aggressive in Fab if he's out there. Uh, I mean, I, if he's been sitting out there this long, chances are you don't have to be overly aggressive, but uh, I would make sure he's on my roster, and uh, I've grabbed him in, in the leagues where I can. Uh, David Price is returning Monday. Uh, this was a short DL stint. Uh, but Price has been uh, pretty decent this year at times. So what are your thoughts on David Price returning from the DL and the rest of the season? Yeah, he looked really good before he went on the disabled list. I have him in my home AL league, uh, and I am uh, putting him back in my lineup right now uh, so I can uh, get some of the starts. But yeah, the good news is we like David Price coming into the year because Boston's offense was supposed to be good. It got off to a terrible start, uh, but of late they are rolling. I know the Astros have... have uh, Limited some of that damage, uh, but the Red Sox have just been hitting everywhere. Uh, and really, it comes from not everywhere except for Jackie Bradley Jr. It's going to have this. He started like this last year. I'm hoping it turns. This is why I refuse to cut him. Refuse, but I need to get him out of my lineup. That's the problem. Uh, but you know, even Christian Vasquez is hitting really well. And, and I have I have a lot of exposure to Vasquez because he was he was purely. He was, a, free. A, he was free, but he was purely a stat cast dart throw. He had a 
44-point difference between his actual and his expected batting average based on the con- – and that was all I was looking at for my catcher too. I think I have four shares of Christian Vasquez. So I am loving what he's doing right now, understanding it's going to fall apart. There's no way he's good. There's no way he's a 310 hitter. Uh, but because you know, he expected last year was 251 and he hit 207. Uh, but – that's so the price should be getting the run support, and that's really why you know, we know the strikeouts can be there. But he was looking really good before the injury, and uh, I'm I'm excited to get him back in my lineup because I need those strikeouts. Yeah, I need him back uh, as well. He, he's on my online championship team, uh, and it's been a bummer to, to lose a guy like him, especially because I really was kind of enjoying the skills. Swing strike rate was up four percent. Uh, getting more uh, swings and misses outside of the zone. His contact rates were down all across the board, in zone contact and outside the zone contact, uh, both down this year. Uh, I've been just very impressed with him, and he kind of l- is looking more and more like the guy we used to know. Uh, and, you know, like you said, he's got that Boston offense behind him. Uh, they're starting to turn things around. I think that David Price is going to be a uh, top 20 pitcher probably the rest of the way. Would be nice. Uh, let's talk about D.D. Gregorius, who is uh, playing in extended spring training. He is expected to uh, actually play shortstop. He was originally only supposed to D.H. in uh, his first game back uh, on Monday. He's actually going to play shortstop. They're expecting him back sometime next month in June. So if D.D. Gregorius is still on your waiver wire, are you picking him up? Yeah, if he's still there. But, a lot. I mean, if we think back to draft day, a lot of people were – or paying close to full freight for him, maybe like 90%. I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised how much. But if he's going to be back here by June 1st, that's ahead of schedule. Uh, And that would be a rarity. But I think, you know, the important thing to focus on here is they are going to let him play the field. Uh, And that's where, because obviously they need him to play the field. They don't want to look at their DH situation, uh, especially now that they have Kendris Morales and may be able to squeeze some juice out of that and that, small park in that division where he has uh, hit well in the past. So they, they want to get him into the field and uh, let's see, let's see how the arm holds up uh, and he can make the throws from shortstop. Cause it's one thing to make the, make the plays and get to the ball. But if he's, if he's going to show a Derek Jeter arm over there, <laughs> uh, man, there's only so many jump throws you can do, but you can't shortstop would be alive, but you cannot have a bad defensive shortstop in this day and age. You just can't do it. No, and if he can't make the throws, either, yeah. So. If he can't make the throws, mm, that's what that's what we got to see. I mean, it's not public data, but I would love to see the stat cast on the on the velocity on his throws from shortstop while he's in the minor leagues, and compare it to where he would be at the major league level because that's that's what it comes down to. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, you know Paul and I are both doing our own individual. Uh, uh, leagues for the the second chance leagues on NFBC uh, next week. Where do you think he should go in terms of uh, other shortstops uh, in in these drafts that are upcoming? Let, let me give you some would you rather's. Would you rather have Didi Gregorius or Tim Anderson? Tim Anderson. Didi Gregorius. Just because he's going to play every day and 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 compile. Okay. Uh, Didi Gregorius or Marcus Simeon. Push. Okay. Uh, Didi Gregorius or Elvis Andrews, who's dealing with his own injury? Gregorius. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Especially with how, in spite of how uh, well Andrews has played this year? 
I'm still. It's it, honestly, man. It comes down to that ballpark, and and the fact that he's got he gets to face a lot of Toronto and Baltimore pitching too. Yeah. All right. I mean, Andrews gets to you know face a lot of Angels pitching. Yeah, a lot of Matt Harvey. Oh boy. <laughs> uh. All right. Uh, what about Didi Gregorius or his teammate Glaber Torres? Man, uh, I gotta go Torres. Is a bad. He looks. He's such a good hitter. All right. Uh, really is such a good hitter. I mean, mm. all but right, it's, the problem is his playing time. I mean, where does if Gregorius comes back every day, who suffers? Are they really going to take out MVP Gio Urshela right now? <laughs> Jesus, that guy. He couldn't hit. He couldn't hit anything in Cleveland. Couldn't anything in Toronto. And now you can't get the guy out. Even when his even when he gets out, it's good contact. It's crazy. Well, I mean, fortunately for him, they have plenty of holes in that lineup still because of the guys injured. I mean, so, uh, you know, they could easily move him over to first or, or DH him. I mean, they, they've got Kendrys Morales starting right now. So like, I don't think that, you know, DJ LeMahieu can bounce around again. So uh, I, I think Urshel has got a role at least for a little while. It's until like the magic dust fairy dust, you know, kind of wipes off or whatever, whatever's going on with him. All right. Let's, and uh, you know what it is. You, if somebody gives them a, a guy that can't hit and, and it's like, I, I called Morales Kendra's Voigt. I mean, he just shows up and hits a home run in his first at bat as a Yankee. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Urshela can't hit and now he can't get out. And Luke Voigt is, you know, still being Luke Voigt. Uh, you know, not that he wasn't hit, not that he wasn't hitting in this, in the St. Louis farm system, but I don't know, man, how do you, if you're St. Louis, the fact that you've given away Tommy Pham and Luke Voigt and you're struggling to hit home runs this year, like you've allowed 12 more homers than you've hit. Yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine that lineup? I mean, you know, Voigt's one thing because Voigt was never going to find a place to play in, in St. Louis. But could you imagine that lineup with Goldschmidt and Carpenter and Tommy Pham and like, ugh. I would just right. Uh, you know, should trade Jose not. Martinez. Boy, yeah. is he look bad in the field. <laughs> he's so bad. Man, he looked bad. I saw a couple highlights this week. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 ridiculously bad. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, one of our topics for today, and that is uh, since we're not doing Fab, I figured we might as well talk a little bit about two of the guys that have uh, that are going to be high priced guys because of just how well they're hitting from the get-go. Austin Riley, Willie Calhoun have both hit multiple home runs uh, in their first few games in the major leagues uh, this go-around. Riley being his uh, major league debut. Calhoun has had debuts before and not worked out real well. Uh, What are you doing in terms of your fab with these guys? Are you increasing your original bids uh, or are you going to kind of fade them for other options? I have so I don't I have no ability to bid on Riley none uh, any league that he that I have or he's where he's uh, he's he was either drafted uh, or I have him in two draft and hold leagues uh, because I loved him from seventeen AFL so I just keep I was like he's still sitting there I'm gonna take him I'll worry about playing time later something will happen of course something has happened uh, you know for for Calhoun in. Uh, he is the second highest guy I have on my fab for AL tout. And uh, Nicky Lopez is the other one. I have those two as, as options two and three. 
uh, behind number one. Uh, so I'm not, not going to say it, Matt, but I have Logan Forsythe as the first guy because he's playing every day. He looks like the old Logan Forsythe that I, I fell in love with uh, in Tampa Bay, and he can play everywhere. So that's my order. I'm not going to say what I'm spending on it, but those are the guys that I'm targeting in Fab, and I am using. Uh, I'm being aggressive, not like Michael Chavis aggressive, but I'm spending some I, I have some money down there, given that I'm in the middle of the pack and I'm probably not going to get at least two of them. I may get one of those guys, but I'm not confident I'm going to get any of them. But I'm going to make sure somebody else gets them that they're going to be using up a chunk of their money. OK, so, I mean, do you think both these guys are here to stay? Because I think the the big question with. Uh, Riley is what happens when Inciarte comes back. Can he hold him off? And can Acuna play good enough defense in center field that they don't need to have Inciarte playing every day? Uh, and then in terms of Calhoun, is his defense going to be passable enough for him to stay in the field? Does it matter for Cal? I mean, does it matter for the Rangers? I mean, it's different from Atlanta. They're contending, uh, and I don't know how you can take Enciarte's glove out of the lineup because that's you know that's his his best skill. Uh, you know, how do you take that glove out of the lineup? But with the Rangers, does it matter? You've got to figure out if Calhoun can stay in the field defensively. And what's the point? You've seen him play enough in AAA. Why not let him play? At the, why not let it try at the at the major league level? That's just my thoughts, but I'm not a major league GM. So would you be more aggressive on Cal like if you're in a mixed league? Let's say you're in TGFBI, fifteen team Roto mixed league. Are you more aggressive on Calhoun, or are you going to be more aggressive on Riley? I would be more aggressive on Calhoun because I'm afraid that Austin Riley is going to be Brandon is going to be Nate Lowe. Okay, Nate Lowe, Brandon Lowe. Nate so thousand dollar yeah. <laughs> budget, two hundred and fifty dollars more, less. Uh, I, I'm not going to get him at 250. Somebody's going to pay a stupid price for him this week, but I would 250 is fine. Would you Would you pay a stupid price? No. Okay. It's not. It's not because I don't believe in the guy. Absolutely believe in the guy, but I I can't I can't come to grips with them sitting NCRT's defense. Mm. Okay. You know, GMs don't care about our fantasy teams, and if if it was going to load it up like a softball team, fine. You know. Like the twins, the twins can get away with it in the AL Central for the most part, <laughs> and they are. I mean, they're t they're tied for the league lead. Uh, they've hit the most. Uh, they're tied with Seattle for the most home runs hit as a team. They're playing like a softball team, but they're pitching well. That's the difference. Seattle was hitting them. Seattle has almost given up as many home runs as they've hit. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Mariners have uh, hit eighty seven, have allowed eighty two. Minnesota has hit eighty seven, has allowed fifty three. Big difference, uh, and so you know with the with Atlanta, they're almost a break even in sixty one hit and fifty nine allowed. But defensively, I, again, I just that's one of the edges they have, and I think that's what they've got to do. So I'm I'm afraid that I don't I see more at bats for Calhoun the rest of the way than I do Riley. Would love to be wrong, given that I, how much I love Austin Riley, but that's where I see it. And I'm with you on that, and I I'm a more of a Calhoun guy myself. Uh, I'm not going all in on any of these guys in, in the majority of my leagues. I, I, I spent my time last night putting fab in, um, you know, I won't say my exact big amounts because you know, I do have people in my leagues who listen to this, but right. Um, I'm not dropping 300 bucks on anybody this week. Right. So, or two, and, you know, to that point, that to that point, I know I saw a lot of back and forth over the last two weeks about, you know, how transparent we should be as as writers and all that, or do we say one thing and do another? I think I've been rather, I haven't had a chance to talk about this 
Uh, but, you know, I think I'm rather transparent about like who I write about is who I try to get. And if you look at my tout roster, a lot of what it's constructed of is people that I put in my bold predictions. And it's not like I said, oh, hey, this guy sucks. And then I went and drafted him or, hey, this guy's going to be great. And then I just faded him completely. So I try to be as transparent as possible. I think uh, you know, Mike Gianella had a really good article about the part time. I mean, it hit you close to home because, you know, you write everywhere. And I only write one place. I write one place and I talk one place. My, frankly, I should be writing in two places, but my I am just been a, a shit with the Tampa Bay blog. And that's completely on me, but that's how much my schedule has changed. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I've, I've always looked at it as it, it's tough as, as the part time to be really good at this because it's it's something that I look at nights after a long damn day and, and sometimes on the weekends. But I don't I can't give as much time as this um, as I would like to. But, you know, when I was in between jobs and this is all I did. Yeah, that was my that was my sweet spot when I was <laughs> in 2014 and I was you and I was writing it. Just give me give me a writing job. I'll take whatever money you can give me. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, that was a sweet spot. It was fun, but I could dedicate all that time. Uh, but uh, but unlike you, I didn't have the other job that was keeping me up all night. And I didn't have, well, I did have two kids, but they weren't uh, as young as yours. Um, so it was a completely different situation, but I fully admit that not being able to focus on this full time is a, is a hindrance, but uh, transparency wise, call me out on it. If you, if you guys think I, I try to hide anything, cause that's not me. I'd rather, I'd rather put my money where my mouth is uh, and, and go on a, you know, a ba- battle of wits uh, on roster than try to than try to be secretive about anything. I'll tell you who my that I already said who my fab bid is in AL Tout, and I know you'll publish this before fab uh, before AL Tout hits tonight. I think, but well, uh, it's up to Paul. Yeah. I, I don't pub- Paul. <laughs> I Blame edit. Paul. I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't publish. So <laughs> we we do this early. I get it to him as early as I can. But you know, Paul Paul has uh, uh, you know his own stuff that goes on on Sundays. Reason why he can't join us every week, but. Um, it's a great article. I'll actually I'll link it in the uh, the show notes if someone wants to uh, go read it. It covers a number of different topics, kind of starting off with um, the uh, a, an article that Jeff Zimmerman had written and kind of a response to that. Uh, and then he does talk about like you know, you know different things that can improve the fantasy industry. And one is uh, one of the things that's hurt hurts the fantasy industry is the people who are part-time in it and part-time uh, aren't because we don't get to focus as much just on the game maybe as we would like to uh and i totally get that and i i, I talked about it on twitter a little bit and uh it is something that kind of hit close to home for me because uh i work a full-time job i've got two kids including a baby which i'm the primary caregiver uh during the day i go to school uh, <laughs> I've got, you know, all my writing commitments and podcasting commitments and, right. um, you know, I, I hope one day that a place out there goes, Hey, listen, we, we see the value in you and we think you're worth giving a full-time position to, but uh, until that happened, you, you know, you just kind of grind or, uh, or you take a step back at some point and go, yeah, I think this whole industry though, but this whole industry is very, uh, representative of, the the job the job uh, market as a whole i mean that that's the problem the number of full-time fantasy positions there are uh, i you and i you and i could probably count them on our hands combined maybe we need maybe we need our toes but that's really where it comes in is because so many people are willing to do it part-time they're like well shoot i can just hire four people but yeah for free to you know for fee to a small fee no benefits uh, 10.99 a bunch of people okay 
know, it, that's just the way the that's the way the, the industry's uh, going. Not to say that it's people are any less talented. I mean, everybody started. I started for free. I wrote for years until somebody gave me a, until Fanball uh, gave me a check uh, for what I did. But it is uh, it's just it's just the way the industry is going. And a lot of people, uh, some people take that and turn it into a real baseball job. Some people turn it and take turn it into a fantasy job. I mean, Paul did it, but you know those opportunities are few and far between. They're not there's out there for everybody and uh, I mean I like I like seeing a big uh, talent pool uh, of writers but at the same time I recognize that it is it's it's a benefit and a curse yep I completely agree uh, moving back on over to the fantasy side of things uh, why don't we talk a little bit about Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell not because there's any sort of news but because we're getting to the point where the uh, Major League Baseball draft is coming up and that means that these guys' uh, draft pick compensation uh, will fall off, as I believe, as soon as the draft starts, I want to say. Uh, so teams can sign them without being penalized a draft pick, uh, which is, I think, probably one of the last things maybe stopping these guys from getting contracts. At this, at this point, point, it's got to be. I mean, yeah. honestly, but I, I saw some stories where some of these teams, they were going to lose their 107th overall pick. It's like, really, it like that's, the, lose, that's what's holding you up? Yeah, because they changed the draft pick compensation uh, a couple of years ago, so they're no longer giving up. They're giving up like sandwich picks in the sec- between like the second and third round or something like that. It's something right. ridiculous. But it's, it's, it's but it, but it's if you if you've done something else and lost that lost the pick, it's your highest available pick. But I just saw I, I remember seeing a couple of things. I'm like, damn, that that's what's holding you up. And, it's, and it's maybe it could be money, much. though. But maybe it could be. Maybe it's because the agents haven't come down. They're like, no, I still need eighteen million a year for Kimbrel. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, already eighteen million on, for Keiko. Uh, I think. Well, Keiko said he'll sign a one-year deal just to get back on the field. So for Keiko, right. it's got to be about the draft picks. But for for Kimbrel, wouldn't surprise me uh, if he's still kind of waiting on the right deal. I mean, but at some point. You just the team's gotta someone's gotta sign these guys. If these guys are available on your waiver wire, we're probably I think around uh, two and a half weeks away from this deadline. Uh, are you grabbing these guys off the waiver wire and stashing them just in case? If I can, yeah. But but we're talking even at a June second. Like, are they gonna pitch before Father's Day? Well, probably not. Right, so we're still talking a month. We're still talking they're a month out, and depends like on Tout if we grabbed them, but they're already on somebody's roster. But if we did, we'd have to start them for the week, uh, and so we that's basically a zero in your lineup. It's a little easier on a reliever if you take a zero on a reliever um, because it's that's that's where I would go because you probably have a middle reliever in your lineup that you're hope in a, in a single league format that you're hoping to get a save or a, or a win, and maybe even in a mixed league format you still have that guy. It's a little easier to do that with a with the Kimbrel than it is a starter who you may you may be benching you know five to eight strikeouts uh, and a decision. It's a good ratio, so that's I just. If, if that's what you're holding your money out for, I would suggest Target being more aggressive on what people uh, on what's on the free agent pile now, rather than waiting for something that's not going to impact your roster for another month. Yeah, I think I'd much rather have Kimbrel than Keiko. One, I just think he's a better pitcher at this point in their careers, uh, and two, I think it'll take him a lot less time to get ready. Yeah, and I just and and not to mention. Keiko, like if Keiko ended up in Milwaukee, would you really want him? Right. 
Like Depends the, where he the, goes. I mean, the, the jobs Kimbrel yeah. can roll right into a right into a closer role. I mean, like not the Tampa Bay would ever spend the money, but who's to say he couldn't go right then there and just go into the closer role very quickly? Uh, you know, San San Diego. Not that he's going to out. Not that he's going to bump Kirby Yates, but he could. Uh, you know, there there's some opportunities for him to move forward. I mean, you've seen a, you've seen the Padres blow a few games uh, here of late uh, with trying to get uh, to. Uh, to Yates, there's been uh, games over the last couple of weeks where it's like, man, you know, they need to, they're trying to separate themselves from the Dodgers, and the Dodgers have just pretty much owned them. That moves the needle. Yeah. So I mean, there's a number of teams that could use him, and so I, I just think, yeah, he's he's the guy. If if he's out there, I think I would swoop him up because like he he could get 20 saves rest of the way, and that that could move your team uh, quite a bit in the save standings. Uh, so. All right, uh, let's uh, talk about uh, Lucas Giolito, who has been absolutely filthy as of late. Uh, what are you doing with Giolito? Is he a guy that you are actively trying to acquire? You know, the thing about him, you know, he was so freaking awful last year. It's like last year's, even if you were to try to do last year's trash, this year's treasure, there's nobody but his parents that saw this coming this year. <laughs> There's nothing. But when you look, the the the, the thing that's really you're trying to figure out. Okay, like statistically, let's 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 hold off another part of this discussion for a second. But like you know, walk rate, it's it's come down from eleven six to ten three. The big jump is the strikeouts, obviously, from sixteen to twenty nine percent. That's what nobody saw coming. Uh, so that's where the big jump. But like exit velocity, same thing. Uh, expected uh, weighted on base average on contact, nearly the same rate last year to this year. So it's like, what's changed? All right, he's striking out more. Fewer balls in play because he's getting more strikeouts. Uh, and so w- when you look at what he's done, if you look at the the pitch utilization, the sinker's gone. He got rid of it. Uh, last year it was, he had it. He's thrown it last couple of years. This year it's gone. Uh, and he's now he's throwing a four-seam fastball that has more velocity and has more spin to it. Uh, and he's made some mecha- – he's, he's t- turned his changeup into something with a little more velocity. So it's not the the the, the kind of fluffy changeup that we've seen from other guys. He's throwing it harder. I mean, last year, changeup was sitting 87-1. This year, it's 88-9. So harder changeup, harder fastball with more movement. And that's where he's getting this from. He made some mechanical tweaks to get this kind of outcome. But when you take away a pitch, I mean, a sinker was something he was using uh, – you know, usage-wise, 10, uh, trying to go back to where usage-wise on his sinker. Oh, that's Carlos Martinez. That's not the one I want. Uh, but this the sinker, he just basically took it away and said, yeah, never mind. Uh, so I need to stall for a second because I absolutely was just reading uh, the wrong numbers. I'll jump in. One of the things he is doing that I really like, uh, aside from the fact the, the pitch mix is completely different with the new fastball, uh, he is throwing. He's uh, he's really getting on top of hitters. His first strike uh, rate is sixty one percent, which is up six percent from last year. Yep. Uh, it's increased his swinging strike rate up to eleven point seven percent this year. Uh, I mean, he's just going after guys, and that fastball is very has been very very good. But also, it's allowed the slider to play a little bit better. Um, the slider was a good pitch last year, but it, it looks even uh, better this year in contrast to that added velocity on the fastball. So I really like what Giolito is doing. Uh, it's amazing because the pitch that was supposed to be the, the money pitch for him was the curveball. Like the curveball was supposed to be that pitch 
that everybody raved about. You, mm-hmm. you go to the top of the Fangraphs page, you look at the grade out on it. It's you know it was supposed to be a seventy grade curveball, and it's awful. It's still bad. Uh, it's never it's never you know kind of I don't know if it was injuries uh, that uh, caught up to him uh, with it or he just never has gotten the feel for it. But his other pitches are starting to come through, and I think this is the start of something special. Yeah, the, so the changeup velocity, now that I have the right numbers, uh, you know, the changeup of velocity is 82, 3 to 8. It's the same. The fastball is up one mile an hour. Uh, but like I said, the sinker is gone. He doesn't throw it anymore. Uh, and that's where, you know, he had decreased it 12%, 5% gone off the plate. The changeup of the slider, he's really spiked it up. It's up from 11 to 23% over the last couple of years. Uh, that's just, that's the whiff rate on that pitch. The slider, you know, you talk about the curveball. It's just, it's really that slider uh, that has become the the pitch for him to use um, on the whiff rate. And that's where he's getting his swings and misses. Um, and the, the fastball, the, where he's using that, that's really he's just working more up in the zone now, uh, and the the changeup. So he's using more of the fastball, using more of the changeup this year, from a fifteen to a twenty three percent usage on the changeup. The fat, the four seam from forty to fifty five, the sinker from twenty to zero. Uh, so he, he looks different mechanically. You know, if you go back and look at some of the video uh, from him previously, he used to have a bit more of an arm swing. If, if you look at him as he would throw his fastball, there was something around like he would really. Uh, I would compare it to like Jalen Beeks. If you watch Beeks pitch last year to this year, it's kind of more like this big back arm swing where depending on the batter, you could maybe see a little bit more of the ball. Uh, but this year he's really hiding it more. He's, he's got more of a uh, an abbreviated uh, separation from his glove where he's dropping it down a little bit and hiding the ball better. So it's it's not something where the bat, especially a lefty, couldn't see what's coming from the backswing. So that ball is being hit and, and Beeks has got the same kind of thing in his delivery where he hides it, where he hides it, and then it comes. And so that could explain why we're seeing this surge in strikeout as well because he's, he's not showing the ball a little bit and he's got a, a, a shorter path to release point. Which, which could help with his command. Because last year, that was the problem. He could not command his pitches. No. I mean, the walk rate was one thing, but catcher's glove was moving all over the place. And you watch him pitch this year, and the ball has a little more of an idea where it's going. And so, you know, I think it's Don Cooper that's still a pitching coach there. I forget, but kudos to the pitching coach for working through this with him because he looks like a different guy this year. And, I, I mean, I think he, he's a guy who's dealt with some injuries too, and so I think he's maybe completely healthy. And you know it's it's hard to keep your mechanics in order if you're if you're dealing with these nagging injuries. Uh, and he, I think he had a didn't he have a back problem before? I think. And and you know, getting back to the other point real quick. I mean, this is where when you when you start spreading your available time, this is I I've stopped I write less because I watch more. Uh, and this is kind of stuff that that I get into. It's like okay, why something looks different here? What's going on? Uh, and that's where I try to. And honestly, it's where the ideas for what I want to write about come from. Is I just have a, a notepad file on my phone as I watch things during the game. I write. I just make little notes. And then it's like okay, time to write. What do I want to write about? Here's what I watched. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the twins. Uh, we'll probably go through these guys pretty quickly cause we've already running up on an hour, but, uh, <laughs> the twins have been absolutely, uh, on fire so far this year and they, they just lost Nelson Cruz, but like we mentioned, snow's back. Uh, but a couple surviving performances, uh, and some that I kind of wanted to touch on, but let's start with Byron Buxton who has been, 
Uh, a little bit more of the guy we thought he could be. Currently hitting 281, 338, 525, four home runs, eight stolen bases. Is this the beginning of a Byron Buxton breakout, or are we destined to be disappointed? That's the one we've been waiting for forever. And I think when you look at some people will say, hey, his walk rate's more than double from last year. But he's been there before. If you look back at 16 and 17, same walk rate. The difference has been the contact. He's not, he doesn't have, the strikeout rate is well down. I mean, he's been living in the 30% for the last few years. He's at 23%. So that's what, that's, if that holds, then maybe we are in, we're finally in for the breakout, but that's what we need to see from him uh, to keep that. And if you look if you look across the uh, across the plate metrics, it's not like he's making a little more contact in the zone, a little more contact out of the zone, a little more overall contact. So it's not like we can we can look and see, oh my god, oh, this is really changed. Even his swinging strike rate is just a little better. So there's been some incremental improvements here. But nothing that jumps out that says, okay, why is he is there is there some kind of behavior that he's doing that is helping him make more contact? So if it's not if it's not an approach thing or not a uh, you know a decision based thing, like should I chase that pitch? Should I you know should I swing at this pitch? Then it gets back into the mechanic. What kind of changes has he made mechanically? I would need to sit down and watch a little more of him to make that kind of call. But I, I'm, I'm not seeing anything in the behavioral statistics to say this is why he's making better contact. Is he just facing a lot of crappy pitching, which is the case this weekend in Seattle? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that, that that doesn't hold up everywhere. So that's really what I want to see. But I mean, we always knew the talent would be there. Uh, you know, I guess I don't know if he can still be sent down. Maybe the fact that he can't be sent down anymore is kind of okay. Let's see what you got. Uh, but he has well, been playing. Yeah, the defense is great. Yeah. yeah, the defense is great. And uh, but you know, see a 125 weighted runs created plus. That's what we've been waiting for forever for him. And uh, again, you've got the White Sox pitching um, outside of uh, outside of Chialito, who we just talked about. We got Detroit's pitching, uh, depending if Matt Boyd is pitching or which day Daniel Norris is doing well or Turnbull. Um, and then you know, we'll see where it, we'll see where it goes. But this this team is playing really well. I mean, when I when one of the things I tweeted out this morning was just a uh, a, a comparison of pitching. Who had like teams home runs hit, home runs allowed? I already mentioned earlier the Twins had a 34. Uh, they've hit 34 more home runs than they've allowed. That's the best in baseball. And it, we, we said earlier, we did our team preview of this team. I vividly remember saying, this is a softball team, but you can, <laughs> it's, it's working. I mean, the, the hitting across the board, Mitch Garver, I mean, nine home runs from the catcher position. Jonathan Scope hit two more last Castro's night. Castro's got to eight. like seven or eight. Castro's runs, got yeah. seven. You know, Rosario's 13. CJ Chrome, 12. He hit uh, two yesterday in consecutive innings. Uh, so, you know, Kepler, nine. Uh, you know, the, Matt Marvin Gonzalez hasn't gotten on board. And frankly, Nelson Cruz only has seven. He hasn't gotten on board. But, you know, they've got, they're hitting home runs. And the pitching, the pitching staff isn't, Really giving them up outside of, uh, you know, Barrios had a stink bomb and, and Pineda when he's left in the games too long. Uh, but I like this team. I like how a rookie manager in Baldelli is managing this team. He doesn't have a full-time closer, really. I mean, Parker, yeah, he's got most of the saves, but they've used guys just about everywhere. I love how he's running this team. Yeah, I, I, I do too. And, you know, as far as Buxton goes, like there's some interesting stuff in his stat cast data that – points to maybe this isn't uh, a fluke necessarily. In massively increased his launch angle, which I think 
could come back yeah. to bite him, actually. Uh, but exit velocity's up. Barrel percentage is almost doubled from his career rate. Uh, so, like, uh, I'm I'm very intrigued, and I have a share of Buxton uh, in the main event, and so I'm hoping he continues to go uh, or continues to do what he's doing. I have a feeling that he's going to kind of regress a little bit closer to the guy we've seen before, which is you know a guy who can strike out too much and, and doesn't make enough contact uh, at times. But hopefully, the defense lack of options will will kind of keep him on the field. Uh, Jonathan Scope, is, is he returned back to the guy that he, we used to know? Uh, a guy that could have, that could hit 25 to 30 home runs. Yeah. I mean, he, I watched last night's game, uh, watched him go yard twice. Uh, or I've seen him go yard twice this weekend. Maybe it wasn't both in game, both games yesterday. Uh, but yeah, he is, he's still the same. I don't want to take a walk and I will swing at just about anything. But yeah, as long as he's hitting home runs, we don't care. Uh, you, you don't have him. You don't have him in an OBP league for his OBP. I mean, he can hit for an average as long as he can continue because he makes good contact. That's the thing about scope. He makes good hard contact. Uh, it, so that's really where you just have to live with the fact that he's not going to walk. Uh, he has no interest in walking. But in, in this lineup, the way they're putting guys on base and and he the way he's hitting. Uh, yeah, this is why this is why you took your shot at him last year. I mean, we we saw him get traded, not do much to Milwaukee, and he was he wasn't going for a high price this year. But this is what you were hoping for, and and you're getting those results early. And for those who heard us talk about the uh, the Willie Calhoun kind of uh, call up and 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 barrage, this is what well, Willie Calhoun can do, but he can do yeah, it this better. is your comp, yeah, the call, like, yeah, because <laughs> he's a guy who makes a ton of contact. I think Calhoun has a is a much higher upside than what we've seen from Scope. Uh, that being said, I mean Scope is uh, he he's repeating what what he's done in the past, which is be like a two sixty two sixty five hitter with twenty five to thirty home run power. Uh, and I think the, the juice ball situation definitely helps him uh, as well. So uh, obviously, I buy it. I'll let you talk about Jake Odorizzi. Just you know. Remember, we've already gone an hour, so. No, in, in short, with Odorizzi, uh, it's, last outing aside, better third time through the order. Baldelli's not like, overexposing him like Paul Molitor did last year. Uh, there was a, I wrote about him at, at Rotowire this week, uh, but go look, uh, FloridaBaseballRanch.com. Uh, it's the same place that Kyle Gibson went to last year. Uh, before the season started to work on his stuff, he recommended it to Odorizzi. He spent his time there, but they wrote a really nice article. It's long form. It talks about the mechanical issues and some things they did with Odorizzi, but he's throwing harder this year. Looks like a different guy. Um, but that article is a really, really good article. I just, it, you know, I, I, I linked to it in mine because it was way too much good information for me to try to parse out. So I said, go read it, but Florida Baseball Ranch. But that's really the thing there with him. Uh, and so you know, the, the last start against the Angels gives me a little bit of pause because that's that's what got him into trouble last year. And right now, his third time through the order penalty is middle of the pack. He was doing better before that start, uh, but he's been middle of the pack, which is better than being like, I think he was the worst pitcher last year, tied with Tyler Maley by weighted on base average third time through. Yeah, four seventy three weighted on base average third time through last year. Yeah, that's brutal. He's just not a guy I normally want to trust, but he has looked really, really good this year. Uh, what about Martin Perez? He's a guy that I've loved in the past. Uh, former top prospect for the Rangers. Uh, he <laughs> he broke his arm or something like that. Um, 
you know, wrangling in one of his bowls. Uh, missed yes. the majority of last season. Uh, for those who want to know, he did eat that bowl um, in, in, in retribution for, for, for that injury. Uh, but coming back this year, signed a, a one-year deal uh, with an option with the Twins. Uh, added some velocity uh, and has been fantastic this year. A yes. 289 ERA, a strikeout, an inning. Is this something you think that he can maintain? As long as he can stay healthy. I mean, the 24% strikeout rate with the increased velocity and, and the run support that he's going to get. Uh, you know, you look at you look at some of the metrics like, OK, yeah, the ERA is going to come up, you know, whatever. He's going to have run support. I mean, the twins, the twins are on pace to set the new home run, the team home run record. I think the Yankees have the highest one ever at 266. The the uh, the Twins are and they're not the only team, but the Twins are going to obliterate that. Uh, and like I said, the Mariners are there, but I don't see the Mariners holding up. But the Astros are right there at 85. We could see at least two teams break the the all time team home run record this year. The Twins being one of those. So the run support's going to be there. I mean, every year we have somebody win 16 games. You're like, how? Who? What? <laughs> this guy's on pace to be one of those guys this year. Yeah, you already got six wins. Six wins uh, and seven starts. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> remember, he, he missed or his first three appearances this year were not starts. They were uh, uh, he came in and re- he started the year in relief because uh, they did not need a fifth starter. Uh, he has been fantastic. There's obviously some hard regression coming. Uh, he only has like one uh, plus pitch by pitch values. Uh, He's not a must start. You got to look mm-hmm. at where like when Boston's coming up. No pass. Yeah, you know, he's not a must start, but or or Houston rat and Houston as well. Um, but you have got to you got to pick your battles. But you mean doing the a cutter great job is it. of getting on top of hitters though. Uh, he's got a, almost sixty seven percent first uh, strike rate uh, or first pitch strike rate. Uh, swing and strike rate is up to eleven and a half percent. Getting guys uh, to swing outside of the zone at a thirty three percent mark. Like there's some things to really like. That being said. Uh, He's, you know what he is? He's this year's Marco Gonzalez. I love that. There you go. That's a really good comp. So, and we we saw how Marco Gonzalez uh, had had some trouble and faded uh, uh, off and on throughout the year last year, but still ended up with a decent overall line. Yes. So I I think I think if uh, I think Perez could easily finish the season as like a three seven guy. Fair enough. You know, 25% strikeout rate. Um, right. But that involves some regression because, like I said, he's at 289 right now. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Rosario. He Man. He has been just super powerful this year. The average hasn't been there, but who cares when he's hitting as many bombs as he is. Uh, where are you at on Eddie Rosario? Uh, not, nothing's changed for me. I mean, when you look at – the average hasn't been there, but one thing's it's just being lazy looking at uh, his hit rate. But he's been a guy whose batting average of balls and plays lived in the in the low like the three teens, and he's at two forty four this year. That's what like huh? But the power is obviously not hurting him power wise. He's ahead of his pace from the last couple of years, uh, and everything else looks the same. It's just when you're looking at when you're looking at that particular numbers, like what's What's the issue here? Why is that happening? And but otherwise, I'm not I'm not running for him. I'm very happy that I have him, and I and I will continue to have him. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about Rosario. He was a guy that I targeted uh, in in a number of uh, uh, leagues this year. The BABIP has been low. Um, 
he's also he's just I th- he's another one of these guys I think is really benefiting from this juice ball. Like so some of these balls probably would have been doubles last year. Uh, right. And now now they're home runs because the ball's uh, flying out of the park. Uh, but he's doing a good job. He's always been a good guy or a good job or done a good job of not striking out too much. He's continuing that makes a ton of hard contact. Uh, the only thing is it's hard to steal bases when you're, you're jogging around him. So yeah. it'd be nice to see him steal a few more bags. Uh, but dude, just stay on the field, stay healthy, uh, keep hitting home runs. And I think we'll all be happy. Yeah, I mean, you look at when you look at expected, like his batting average, his his expected average is only eleven points higher. So it's not like like contact wise, this is he's earning this. So maybe it just comes down to how he's being positioned. Maybe he's getting Kendrick Morales here, uh, but there's not a big, there's not this outstanding like, hey, there's a, the expected stats say there's something else coming here. Um, his exit velocity is up over last year, so in like a couple of miles an hour. So that's that's one thing that's in his favor. But uh, you know, that's there's not there's no hidden stats showing that something else is coming up here. So it's just a matter of you know, like I said, this, this is a softball team, and you want to own. This is the softball team in your local league that you hate playing. Uh, I mean, Eddie Rosario's got the same barrel per plate appearance rate as Chris Davis this year. Which Chris Davis? Yeah, the the good one, <laughs> the good one. But All he's right. in the top. He's there with Chris Davis. You know, he's with with Tatis Jr. That's that's Yandy Diaz. That's the range. But then again, so is Ian Desmond. I still can't figure that guy looks. He was up bunning in the second inning on Wednesday night. Good God! <laughs> I know. I got that text message from him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, Kepler because Kepler's a dude that I've liked for a long time. Uh, for those that don't know, he grew up in uh, Germany. And therefore, uh, didn't start playing baseball till a little bit later than most people. And so, it's kind of a late bloomer in that regards. Things seem to be coming together a little bit for him. Already nine home runs this season, 238 average. Is this the beginning of a breakout for Max Kepler? Or are we going to kind of see a little bit of the same? I've always loved the swing. Uh, the issue has been he can't hit lefties. And, and last year so... You know, last year he had 245 against lefties and 167 plate appearances. The season before 152, the season before 203. This year is hitting 225. I mean, that's when you're looking at the batting average, why it's where it is, it's because of that. That's not going to get any better. Um, that said, the Twins still leave him in the lineup, just move him around a little bit. Uh, but that's that's the ceiling. He's got to bust through that. If that's not going to bust, it's going to limit how high he can get. But that's that's really where the only thing I don't like about him is that is is the problem against lefties because I love the swing. Um, you know when he's up there against righties, he looks really good, but just lefties neutralize him, and that's the unfortunate part. So I can only get so excited about him because he's a really good hitter against righties. But there is a it, it's going to hold down his average if he keeps playing this bunch against lefties. Do you think there's a chance that once they start getting all the pieces back, that he could turn into a platoon player? Yes. So, I mean, you know, Sano maybe takes the, the short side of the platoon and they can move Marwin Gonzalez between third base. That would work out. Field. I mean, Kepler's a good defender. Kepler's a good defender. So He's that's one of these things. Defender, yeah, yeah you, you, you're like, okay, I can't really take him out because the defense is good. It's a it's a plus defense. Mm-hmm. But – it's this is what's going to keep his batting average. If you're if you're hoping this year he's going to hit 250 because he's never hit higher than 243 in his career, it's not going to be this year if he keeps playing against lefties this much. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, what do you got going on next week? 
Uh, next week, I am driving, uh, heading up to Cleveland, Ohio, as I mentioned, to uh, to get uh, taken advantage of by ticket prices. Uh, but that's going to be stadium number twenty nine for me, leaving only Kansas City uh, to oh, get wow, to. Oh wow, really? Yeah, which we, I, I had four coming into this year, and I've done Seattle and Oakland, and now it'll be Cleveland with my son uh, for Memorial Day weekend. So I should still have some time Sunday because I'm not going to go to two Cleveland Rays games because. Uh, my loan got declined, and I can't afford tickets to two games. So I'm just going to go to one. And, but I'm going to go to – I think I'm going to go to the Akron Rubber Ducks game on Sunday um, and or uh, the NFL Hall of Fame uh, while I'm there. So uh, that's what's next week. I, one of the thing about juice balls, I think it's important to point out, the uh, the year-by-year average I mean, at walk, going into today's games, we're at 1.3 home runs per nine innings. That rate is pretty much held up all year. The highest we've ever had is one two six. So here we go to one three, and it's just now starting to get hot. Yeah, that's the crazy Where, part. That, is, yeah. That's I, I still I very firmly believe sixty five hundred home runs is still very much in play this year. The 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 record sixty one oh one sixty one oh five something like that. So it's very much in play, but. That's where in league league wide batting average is down to 245, lower than it was last year. So you should be adjusting your uh, your targets, strikeouts again up. Uh, that's why we always suggest moving your your whatever your draft day target is for strikeouts, move it up every year, and don't look back at the last three years and say, okay, that'll do. No, that's not going to be good enough, uh, and it's not going to be good enough again this year. Strikeout rate has went from 8.5 a game last year to 8.8 this year. And as these haves and have-nots continue to separate and we start seeing younger guys come up to replace guys traded, it's only going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, currently we're at, what, 1,757 home runs. Uh, The record is 6,105 set in 2017. So, uh yeah, I think there's a real good chance we crush That's going to be obliterated by my birthday. September 20th, home run 6,106 gets it. Yeah, I think Book it. that could definitely happen. So, uh, But that's just something to keep in mind, especially as, as things start to warm up, especially in parks like Wrigley and uh, Arlington and uh, Camden, where, where you know the balls really start to fly out of them as, as, they, uh, as it warms up in the summertime. We could... Oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody tweeted at my home run thing. They said the Marlins have hit 26 home runs this season. The Twins have hit 27 since May 6th. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Oh my god! That's <laughs> oh, I'm crying. That's great. The disparity Ooh. between good teams and bad teams this year is just—I uh, was looking. I was like, "How did the Marlins only have 12 wins?" And then I looked at their roster. I was like, "Yeah, that's how." It's it. I mean, the Rays shut them out in both games they played. Mm-hmm. They—they have no hitting, none, nothing. That—that—that that, that could be the worst offensive lineup I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, they, they're starting a guy named Birdie. I, I, I don't know. Even... yesterday. Lead off home run. <laughs> Dude, how are you going to blow that guy out? <laughs> well, they've got to bench him now. <laughs> like, they can't. He hit a home run. They can't play him. He's got two on the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason. We, uh, we good to go next week. Oh, wait. Next week's uh, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I figured that's going to be a problem for all of us, which is why we went a little longer today because uh, oh. I know the last couple of weeks with Mother's Day and then me being uh, on the road for that stupid rain out in Baltimore. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll be around if you uh, if you want to uh, try to get together. We can. If not, 
I will uh, I will get a guest uh, on gotcha. Sunday. So I'll let you know. I'll you let, let you know you Saturday. Know, but we will uh, we will have some sort of episode uh, on Sunday. Talk some fab and some other things, uh, and probably talk a little bit about my uh, uh, my second chance draft because that's happening Saturday night. It is all filled up. I appreciate uh, guys filling uh, guys and gals actually uh, filling it up. Uh, there's a ton of open spots in these, and if we want NFBC to do them again next year, we need to get make sure they get filled. So even though I'm not in them, uh, or in the rest of them, and Paul's not in the I'm rest not of them, either. <laughs> like go and jump in some of these. They're three hundred fifty dollars. Uh, there's an overall prize of ten thousand uh, dollars for the overall winner. There's gonna be huge overlay unless you know people start jumping in these. These, these things start Wednesday. I may actually jump in one of the Wednesday ones uh, because I kind of want to experience uh, it without an ADP. So that's true. Yeah, that I think that'd be a little bit more fun. So I may jump in the Wednesday one that's at 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, 7 uh, p.m. Uh, Pacific. So uh, yeah, get in these things so that way we can fill them up and they'll do these in the future. All right, guys. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, I will uh, talk to everyone next week, and hopefully Jason will join me.